Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. another Laker snack break and uh, I am your host Sean Grace and I want to welcome you again to the Lakers fast break network and this is another snack pack my name is Sean Grace aka the magic man and we are live here in the city of Toronto it is currently uh, 10 after 5 so I figured it would be a good time for a snack for our friends all around the globe wherever you are and we're going to talk today about uh, some keys to game two, which uh, are going to be very important. Now, look, I'm not sure if everybody's keeping up to date with uh, injury updates, but uh, Tim McMahon, who covers the Memphis Grizzlies for uh, ESPN, has just uh, filed a report that John Morant's condition has improved a little bit. He, he still has tissue swelling and inflammation. And obviously that's very painful and it's bothering him, but uh, Taylor Jenkins and the staff say it's progressing. So my guess is, as our podfather, uh, Jared Glassford, spoke about this, uh, not only on the postgame show uh, on Sunday, but uh, also yesterday on our NBA observations, uh, he stated emphatically he he was almost certain that uh, John Morant was going to give it a go for game two. And I, I'm pretty sure Gerald's going to be right. Darvin Ham was asked about all this hoopla. He said that basically they're going to go into the game plan with the same mindset that they, they're not going to assume Morant's playing, but they're going to plan for him to be playing. So the game plan isn't going to change. I don't think, despite what uh, some people might might want to see, if Tyus Jones happens to to start, I, I think it could be also a case where the staff and the medical staff and uh, coaching staff, especially Taylor Jenkins, in consultation with Morant and uh, trainers, will probably try and give it a go. And if he's really in pain, then then they'll just take him out. So I I half expect him now to. Uh, to give it a go and try and play, which means that the Lakers have to not take their foot off the throat here. They established a presence 
in that first game and they need to hold on. You know, I did some deep diving research. It was almost Jay Moore deep dive, actually, because I really wanted to sink my teeth into this. And um, I was just curious, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies eat a lot off transition. They love transition. Happens to be one, uh, a frequency that uh, is almost 20% of their offense. Thank you, Terrence, for the question. Is it a mistake to plan for jaw and not ties? I don't think so. I don't think so, Terrence, because I don't think the game plan changes that much. Hey, PMC, what's up? Nice to see you. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think the game plan changes that much, honestly. Like, what, what Jones lacks in athleticism and um, just pure speed like Jaw does, he makes up for an efficiency. He's a very efficient player. In the 45 games that Jaw's missed and Tyus Jones has started, he's 32 and 13. Now, the, a good game to watch or some highlights to watch, guys, is from March 7th when the Lakers played the Grizzlies last. Triple J had a really good game again, unfortunately. But in that instance, he had five fouls, and we did not get him out of the game. That has to change. That's that's one of my keys, Terrence, is that even if Jaw plays, you still have to find a way to get uh, Triple J into foul trouble. Get him off the floor as much as possible. If you get if Triple J off the floor, Memphis is so shorthanded. They are so shorthanded. I, don't, I really don't think people have truly estimated how much they miss Steven Adams, even in it, even if he did sit in a series, say, against the Clippers or uh, the Suns. He is a very valuable player on both ends of the floor, and without him, and you take Triple J out of the picture because you put him in foul trouble, the Grizzlies just have to resort to secondary and tertiary like big men, and none of their bigs outside of Triple J or any kind of rim protection threat or deterrent. So I think it's more important to just for the Lakers just to keep attacking the same way they did. And I welcome in Gerald Glassford, who's enjoying a nice snack himself. I heard this is a snack pack. So I'm it a is. Snack. All right. All right. So Gerald, we're uh, we're just kind of shooting the breeze right now. And uh, Terrence had a had a great question. He said, "Would." The game plan change at all if Tyus Jones started versus yes, Jaw? Because remember, the team is more, uh, as far as when they're on offense, their sets, they have more offensive sets that are geared towards ball movement and player movement when Tyus is in there. As uh, I wish I was eating sirloin tip pizza, PMC. I wish yeah, I was. Absolutely. I want some of that. Good. I want some yeah. of that too, PMC. Let's Whenever all that kid... go. I'll tell you what, let's all go to Phoenix right now with Laker jerseys on. Go into that clubhouse. Go ahead and tell that kid off and then snatch that pizza from him. There you go. How about that? All right. I, you know Joe would. You know Joe would. Absolutely. But uh, getting back to the quest, awesome question by Terrence. What's up, Intel? What's up, PMC? Terrence? I do want to go ahead and say that, yes, I think it's more ball and man movement when it's more jaw, it's more isolation and seeing what he can do to penetrate and kick out to the shooters. When it's when it's Tyus Jones, you see that there is more of a structured offense in place, and the Lakers have to go ahead and 
see if they can guard man on man as opposed to getting caught double teams or getting caught, you know, just trying to go ahead and maybe chase around the perimeter a little bit more if that's the case and focus on that as opposed to jaw where you're trying to uh, tighten up the lane. Uh, you know, you have everybody hedging towards the lane, which creates more openings for those shooters. Absolutely, Gerald. Um, we, we saw that uh, about a month ago, uh, March 7th was uh, the last time we played them in the regular season. And Tyus Jones just fed Triple J over and over again as much as he could. So, I mean, wh- whether or not, um, you know, either one of them, who's ever in there, the Lakers have to remain focused. They just, I, I looked this up, Gerald, of the 31 losses Memphis had this year, they scored 20 fast break points six in six of those games that they lost. So if you hold them to under 20 fast break points a game, you really take away a huge chunk of their offense. Well, again, conversely, it is on the same thing as the Lakers. We've talked about this before, and I've been harping on it all year, especially in the earlier part of the season when this team did not have as many skilled players as they do now. They were so much reliant in order to come close to winning games on the transition because they were such a poor shooting team. They're a better shooting team now. Now, I don't think they're going to shoot 43%, you know, consistently in the playoffs, nor do I think that Rui Hashimura is going to go off for 29 each and every time. I think people need to temper their expectations on that. If he gets us again 15, Schroeder can bring it up. And bring give you another fifteen to twenty right there, and then you have Austin Reese and D'Lo giving you also fifteen to twenty. I think that that gives you a balanced attack, so that LeBron and AD don't have to go ahead and feel like they have to do it themselves. I mean, there's the actual what the actual record that was uh, tied with four players, uh, Laker players over twenty points. The first time that's happened since the Showtime era. I think that was a great sign that the Lakers have more than just two options for other teams to worry about. And I think that's come as a little bit of a surprise to the rest of the league at this time. Yeah. And, and you know what, Gerald, maybe, maybe everybody's the fool for, for kind of coming around to this now, given the fact that, you know, all the signs pointed to it, except that the results weren't uh, equaling win after win after win. They were losing all these close games and yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't again. I don't want to get excited, you know, too much about Rui Hashimura because the guy's a twenty nine percent three point shooter on the season. He shot five for six. Statistics will bear out that that's probably going to be the best he does out of the entire playoffs. But if he can give you those post ups, if he can give you some good looks from the mid range, which was supposed to be the thing that he does best even though he hasn't done as great as I was hoping he would from the mid-range, if he could give you some of that, again, get you 15, 17 points, that's really all you can ask as far as that's concerned because the Lakers right now are seven players deep. Uh, I think that you're going to have trouble finding anyone that's going to give you consistent minutes. Uh, Troy Brown, Lonnie Walker, Mo Bamba, you know, those individuals, Wendy Gabriel, those guys, you're going to see in, out, in, out. You're going to see Darvin Hammond experimenting with those guys to see if any one of those guys will click for that game. I don't think that any of those guys are going to give you anything consistently, but you have to try and see which one of those eight guys coming off the bench can give you anything to help out because Schroeder and Hashimura 
are now going to be the guys who are going to lean in very, very much off the bench at this time. A hundred percent, Gerald. A hundred percent, as you saw. Uh, Ham's basically shortened it to nine. And like you said, it's basically seven plus maybe TBJ or Lonnie Walker who can – who maybe they need them to play 10 minutes just out of necessity. You will at, you. at some point in time. You will. Uh, and I think Troy Brown Jr., just because of his height and his ability a little bit to stick a little bit on defense, better than much better than Lonnie Walker, who's a terrible defender, but can actually go ahead and, and get you something uh, offensively. That's the thing you have to look at. As long as you're not asking Lonnie Walker to be a playmaker, that's fine. If you're asking him to be a spot-up shooter or to drive, uh, you know, go off the dribble – there you go. But yes, uh, Blue Magic says Magic Man is styling on us with this Laker gear today. Salute. Hey, Gerald. Blue Magic. Great to have you here. Terrence, PMC, Intel Wild. Just great to have you here for this uh, impromptu snack pack. What we're doing is because Josh Radice out there on Twitter was calling us out, saying he wants more snack packs. So I think Magic Man is complying to that. So great to, great to be part of the snack pack, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me again, Jill. And by the way, what are you snacking on? Oh, it's just potato chips. All I'm right. trying to I'm trying to see what I'm trying to think of. I just thought of the other day because I was actually uh, spending some time at the National Association of Broadcasters yesterday. And I'm going to go mm. actually after our snack pack today, head out back out to the convention center just for a little bit to check more out stuff out. But I was thinking on my walk there that I've got to find a better opening for the snack pack. I've got one as far as the audio portion is concerned when I post it on a podcast, but I still got to think about, you know, finding some Laker snacks, Laker branded snacks out there that we could go ahead and munch on to start the show. But we'll have to figure that out as it comes, because it's not exactly as <laughs> readily available as I had hoped to, especially for someone out here. Oh, no, not at all. Gerald, this is Triple J's moment to shine. He's uh, probably going to be given the Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, before game two mm. so i expect the crowd to be pretty pumped up and for them to try and feed off of that energy that mm. being said the last regular season game we played against them at uh, crypt uh he got into foul trouble Gerald. we managed to get him into foul trouble he had five fouls but again it's the five foul blues with darvin ham that was the fourth time this regular season Luka Doncic, Jalen Brown, Cat, and Triple J, that he had one of a, a premier NBA player in foul trouble, and they just couldn't get them out of the game. So my question to you is, do you think that they will emphasize attacking him? Because it felt like he could have picked up a, a couple of quick early fouls last game, Gerald, but for whatever well, reason... If Jaw is is out of the game, that's what I do. I'd attack Triple J. He, you're going to get some shots blocked, that's for sure. But if you get three fouls on him in the first half, that could really set things going because you want to set the tone right away if you're you're a Lakers fan. And yes, through the wild, I I, I do want to go ahead and and put up some cookie videos at some point in time. No other Lakers shows doing that. I know we would get a lot of flack for it from other shows. What are those guys doing? Well, you guys want us. You talk about food all the time. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. We're going to go ahead and do some for you. PMC, I thought the snack packs were a cookie show before watching it. Uh, Actually, uh, it was something that he, he said uh, in one of the the first ones. So I I took on the uh, mantle after he created the, uh, the word on the air. So I will say though, that uh, I do do think that 
the Lakers can go ahead and and set the tone early, but getting Triple J in foul trouble should be something that the Lakers should be cognizant of, at least in the first half. They're not going to get him fouled out. Okay, it's apparent, like you said, it's not an accident that this team forgets these player top players have five fouls. It's it's obviously something that the coaching staff does not atone in on or tune in on as far as them being able to go ahead and and oh he has five fouls we got to go ahead and lean on him harder that's also on lebron and ad lebron has been in this league long enough to know mm-hmm. okay uh you tell him or maybe assistant coach maybe he's not aware of five fouls assistant coach say hey that guy has five fouls and so maybe it's up to lebron to, on the court to go ahead and try and focus in on that as well so you know maybe we've been always saying darvin ham but Somebody in the Lakers staff and players should be aware that he has five fouls and try to target that individual. So if that happens again, I don't think still don't expect it. I have to see it to believe it. As I always say, uh, you know, before we go ahead and say, okay, that, that they actually mastered a game plan and trying to get someone out of the game like that. But be that as it may, the first half, at least you could focus in on trying to get Triple J three fouls. If you could do that, you can get him out of the game a little bit early, like halfway through the second quarter or something like that, go on a run then. That might be just the difference that you need in winning game two. 100%, Gerald, 100%. And, you know, from, from what we've seen so far, we yeah, you're right. We don't need Rui to score 29 points again. And we, you know, I, we don't need Dennis to explode either. But if one of those guys or both of them are just playing, like you said, consistently, uh, I think that's good enough even if we can't get uh, Triple J in foul trouble because yes. I I think, you know, Austin Reeves, like you said, Austin Reeves has proven himself. He is now unquestionably in the starting backcourt with D'Angelo Russell. So and, and conversely, Blue Magic said it best, watch out for getting AD in trouble because the Lakers don't have much to talk about behind him. It goes to a LeBron Rui backup center because Wenyan Gabriel is Wenyan Gabriel. Uh, Mo Bamba is Mo Bamba. Uh, those guys, uh, you know, they're not going to get any burn. And if they do, this is a, a sign of trouble for the Lakers because those two are not playoff ready. Uh, if they give you any kind of minutes, if you're looking for Alex Len minutes from Mo Bamba or, or when you're Gabriel, I, I think maybe you'll get that maybe once in a playoff series, maybe twice, but I don't think you're going to get it in a five to seven time period. And you're asking for trouble. If you're going to go ahead and get those guys in, although this would be the series. If AD gets in foul trouble, this would be the series that you could possibly get away with it because triple J you could stick Rui on him. Uh, not, not LeBron because LeBron did not fare well against triple J, but you could stick Rui on him or maybe Mo Bamba for five fouls, whatnot, just to see if you could go ahead and, and, and do something like that, or even when you Gabriel, but you could get away with it in this, but if you have a talented center, like let's say you're playing Denver or even Phoenix or, or something like that, or even like Sacramento, uh, Sabonis with the bad ribs, <laughs> he could probably really go to town on whoever the backup center is for the Lakers. So, you, you know, I, I, they could get away with it this this round, but I think that you're you're playing with fire. But I agree with Blue that you know we also have to watch out for AD getting in foul trouble as well. Yeah, hundred percent. That's true as well. You you have to worry about the boomerang effect. Big shout out to Joshua Deeds, absolutely, my friend. Snack pack because you asked for it. 
This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That seems to me like something that is possible, something that could happen. Whether you're introduced to a character or a location or something that will tie it to the new movies coming. But it's still Ray from The Last Skywalker. From right, that but it could be the new Jedi for the new movies that you're talking about, for the new branch that's going to grow all out of it. Yeah, come, on, oh, come, come on, Joe. Come on, come on, come on. You gotta attach it all at some place, or it's disjointed uh, and it doesn't on. make any sense. Come, come on. on. Come on. <laughs> it's gonna make a sense because you can say it's a long time ago. That scroll at the beginning of every Star Wars movie sets up everything for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. They make you read the recap instead of showing it to you. That's the difference. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so Terrence asked a, a great question, Gerald. You guys may have touched on this in the previous streams, but do you have any changes you would make for game two if you were co-cham, Gerald? I, I would, but it comes at a cost, my friend. Because if John Moran is listed out, Triple J becomes more of the focus. I would just try to slow him down a little bit by putting AD on him and asking AD to not go back and drop coverage, to not switch so easily, and to try and stay hard on Triple J. Because we saw even when he was on Triple J, he could easily be picked. You know, somebody could set a screen, set set a pick on him, and then easily he could be dropping back in coverage. We saw that. So even when he was on Triple J, he was not actually on Triple J. I would, for, for at least for a five to ten minute span, have him just say, you know what, stay with Triple J. We'll take care of it in the lane. You know, if somebody keeps, if tries in, we don't see anyone that could consistently drive in since Jaws not in there. So yeah, I, I would go for that. That's the, that's the change I would make. Just five to ten minutes uh, each half of of ad playing really tight on on triple j that's what i would do well you know something gerald i think that's the right move to make uh, as well yeah it, uh, you better be just kidding on that blue there's no way no way <laughs> i would like to see them try and and hedge and fastly double triple j as well Gerald, because i don't think he's as good of a passer as he was made out to be game one because it seemed like the doubles were either coming late or he could see right over them. Well, he's I, not I, been too much of a focus of the offense this season. Yeah. Uh, so try if you do make him focus on the offense, make it harder for him. Make it you know make it make him work for it. So maybe he'll crack. Maybe he won't. I mean, he did play well in the game since Jed Jaw was out of the game, or out of the uh, uh, you know not in the game or out for whatever various reasons. So I'm not going to underestimate that, but. He's not the guy that's going to go off on 40 for you. 30, 30, a little bit, you know, he could do that, but that 40, 45, 
he's not going to be the dominant scorer, so he's going to have to get a lot of support for to get the job done. And I will say that, you know, that speaking of the uh, Sabonis oh thing, what are your thoughts on that? He did grab his leg. Uh, that was uh, a legit, and that was deserving of a technical foul, a uh, flagrant one, I think, on Sabonis's part. But to stomp on the guy, I don't, you're saying it was justified. You know, with the already rep, bad reputation that Draymond has, you know, uh, always uh, just walking that tightrope of suspension for literally anything, you're giving the refs a reason and the league a reason to get you out of the game. I would try to avoid that at all possible. You, I would have just, just ripped my foot away and if that's the case. But to do the stomping and the pushing off and using him like a trampoline, yeah, that was that, that to me is excessive. No matter how much he grabbed on his leg, you just got to rip your leg away. Or, uh, you know, what I saw on Twitter, like Dylan Brooks just waving up his hands. Hey, hey look, 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 look at this. Look at this. And, you know, having Sabonis get a T and there you go. Yeah. No, there, honestly, there was no, I, I get it. You're, you're, it's a reflex response. You're trying to defend yourself, but you don't need to stomp on a man like that. No. Oh, yeah, I through don't... the wire, I agree with you. He is, I think, their overall best player, Triple yep. J is. But the thing is, does he have the mindset? We'll find out in game two if, if Jaws not in. Does he have the mindset to go ahead and take over a game and be that big scoring individual that they need on Memphis? If that's the case, the Lakers could be in trouble. They could be surprised in game two. And that's the thing the Lakers have to go ahead and worry that be wary of is to go in there with a mindset, oh, just not in there. We got this. No problemo. Yeah, we got this. Everything's already all good and all that. But you got to be aware and be confident in your game that you can go home 2-0. But you also have to make sure that you're not going to underestimate. Because like, uh, you know, the Magic Man also says, like he t- called out the snack pack. You know, what about a wounded animal? It's the most dangerous animal, Gerald. A big shout out to Through the Wire for those great uh, comments as well. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. And hey, try and get uh, Dylan Brooks in foul trouble again. That that guy doesn't know how to play other than overly aggressive. So getting well, him also, in foul you know, trouble will, will having go a long him become, way too. But having him become a volume shooter, shooter instead of Desmond Bain, if you ask me who is because who would you like as the volume shooter on that team from a guard position? I'm definitely hoping it is Dylan Brooks because your odds are a lot better. If he gets hot and does a Rui Hashimura, you know what? Then the Lakers deserve to lose, if that's yes. the case for that game. But I'm, I'm banking on I'm, I'm I'm in Vegas, and who is the better shooter between Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks? It's not even close. So if you have Dylan Brooks chucking up threes, you got to give up something in the defense. I'd give up that any day. And just like the just like the Memphis Grizzlies decided, you know what, we're gonna let Rui Hashimura shoot away. And it cost them. It could, you know, cost the Lakers on that. But you know, if, if Dylan Brooks is the one that's taking all the shots, I'll uh, I'll I'll pay my money on that. I'll say, you know what, that was a good game plan. And if he makes it, you just gotta pat him on the back. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So those are my keys. Um, we need to keep the Grizzlies out of fast break opportunities. Try and get Triple J in foul trouble. And a couple of the others need to step up. We've seen it from Rui. We've seen it from uh, Troy Brown Jr. last game. I want to see something out of Beasley, hopefully, Gerald, if he plays at all. And uh, hopefully it'll lead to a victory. Because like you said, man, there are, there are no guarantees in this game, too. They're going to be hyped up because of Triple J's uh, great season. 
And those first 10 minutes are going to be key. I want to see the Lakers continue to confuse the Grizzlies on defense from an offensive perspective. The one thing I want to add in, though, please, uh, I was something that Blue Magic had touched on was he was talking about the the lack of focus on Braun's part because Braun, even though defensively help wise was amazing, one on one wise, obviously he wasn't that great against against Triple J, but you know he had a scatter shot game again. It's so weird because he's having these games that he's shooting overall from the field pretty good, but yet it's still not showing up as far as overall with the eye test as being a totally uh, focused game. And I was just listening to a podcast, uh, the SI, the Sports Illustrated podcast crossover, and and you know how everybody you know is talking about Chris Mannix's you know thoughts and all that. We talked about it on this show mm-hmm. and how everybody's now going on the bandwagon and whatnot, but. He talked about LeBron being the fourth best player in game one. And he's right. Uh, I got to give him credit, even though he's a Boston guy. You know, he he was right. LeBron was the fourth best player on that floor. Actually, fifth play, uh, fifth best, if you want to consider, Triple J was playing better Great. than him as well. So, you know, if that's the case, he's got to go ahead and, you know, win this team. When Austin and Rui or Dennis or... D'Lo or all these other uh, ancillary players are not playing well. He's got to make sure that he is ready to step up and give them what they need in order to get the victory. And I agree with you, Blue. Too many turnovers lately. Ever since he came back from the injury, too many turnovers. Yeah, he's he's been uh, very loosey-goosey with the ball. I'm not sure what, uh, what the correlation is. Uh, we think the cause is just rust from the injury, but... Uh, We'll, we'll hopefully see an adjustment there because Tyus Jones will feast up turnovers. They will yeah. find a way to get him the ball, and he is he has been the best backup point guard in the NBA for the last four years for a reason. He comes in. He he's does so his, efficient. He's so efficient. He's so efficient, and he's gotten better as a shooter. Uh, from his days as a Timberwolf to now being a Grizzly, so he's put in the work. And uh, neither one of the neither form of the Grizzlies, whether Jones or Morant is starting, should change the the attitude at all, Gerald. That's all we're saying. If they come out with the same attitude, I think they'll win. I think they win. Again, getting off to an early lead uh, helps. Getting Triple J in foul trouble in the first half helps. Uh, and I think that they do that, and they can still get some consistent production from players that not named LeBron James and Anthony Davis and stay healthy, stay upright. That's a big key as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that That's one of the keys for the Lakers. If those two men are able to stand upright and play, the Lakers have a very good chance of winning the game. Terrence, uh, great question. I'm curious why Bamba can't even get garbage. Well, he kind of did. He got the yeah, one he did. <laughs> he did. But I know I get your question, Terrence. He he just is not a good fit. He just is not mobile enough. He's just not his defensive awareness in the in the limited times we've seen him here for the Lakers is just not where it needs to be. When it comes to Gabriel, he gives you more effort than what you see from Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba just is someone is he's an enigma. He's a, basically an enigma. Again, the theory of Mo, Mo Bamba, as I always say, is better than the practice and the reality of Mo Bamba because 
you know, he just doesn't have it in him. He just doesn't have that fire. Not everybody does. And it just doesn't look like he has that fire in him to go ahead and, and play the way that he needs to play with that outstanding seven foot 10 reach, you know, right now until I think Wembyama gets into the league, he might have the top reach in the NBA. It doesn't help him at all if he's out of position each and every time out. So fact is he should be getting some playing time. You think with all the skills that he could bring, but uh, I just think it's the fact that he's just not, uh, he just doesn't have the, that, that court awareness, that court IQ to go ahead and be effective enough uh, for the Lakers and what they need to do. Maybe you can try and give him a stretch today. You know, if AD does get in foul trouble or give him a bigger breather, but I still have a feeling they're going to go with the Rui LeBron center thing, or at the very worst, they're going to give Wendy and Gabriel a try first before they go to Mobamba. Cause I really think that he is uh, totally been written off and, it's going to be one of those situations where emergency break glass, bring him into the game, and he's going to have to produce in that time for him to be back in the good graces of Darvin Ham. Yeah, 100% Gerald. And, um, I, in and no- Blue Magic had us also. He had that injury, but he also his, his deficiencies, Blue Magic, as the Lakers' defense got better, he played less. So his deficiencies on the defensive end and the fact that he's very slight of build and he can easily be muscled out there by other two guards – is a big key. In fact, the guy, he's not a good, he's a terrible playmaker. He is just one thing, a score and a score only. He's not even a consistent three-point shooter. That's going to be very hard to keep him in the game, especially in a playoff situation like this. But yeah, he didn't get, he got a raw deal uh, because he didn't exactly play himself 100% out of the equation, out of the rotation. He did also uh, get injured. So I will give that. But, you know, when you look at him as a player, you know, he was he was a good player for us at the beginning of the season because he was hitting his three and he was able to score. And as his three point shooting went awry and then he got the injury and then they got made the trades, all these things fell in place for him to be out of the rotation. Maybe you should give him a try if you're really lacking for offense on the, you know, in the second team. If you need that, which the Lakers may at some point in time, because like we're scoring a lot of points now. It's also worked the other way with the guys coming off the bench. So if that's the case, I still think they should look at him at, at some point in time. But yeah, expect that, you know, that he has deficiencies in his game. The longer you play him, the more they'll show up. A hundred percent. All that is true. I will say this uh, for, for Lonnie's. Um, Remember behalf? when they tried to play him as a point guard? Yeah, that didn't work out too well. That would, yeah. didn't work out too well, but he's been a pro's pro. He he's always ready. He stays ready. When you stay ready, you don't have to be ready. So applaud him for that. He's been a professional for yes, this whole absolutely. thing. He's not sulking or whining on the bench. Um, the body the body language is that he's into the game, and I think he's being a really great teammate. And obviously, you know what, Lonnie's another set of eyes out there. So you know, it's definitely cause for. For other guys to catch his ear, if he sees something, he'll speak up. He's a pro's pro. He's not getting much playing time now, but like Gerald said, there's going to come a point in time where the rubber's going to hit the road and the Lakers are going to need something from someone, and he's going to have his number called eventually. Absolutely. And again, his number will be called back up, uh, rest assured, because at the playoffs – 
you always have that one player that's sitting on the bench that you're trying to resurrect that might get you through a game or two before they go revert back to where they were before. So we'll see. Maybe it's a Mo Bamba. Maybe it's a Lonnie Walker. Heck, it may be even a Wenyan Gabriel. We'll see. But I really think that the Lakers need to find something as this playoffs go on is find a consistent uh, eighth player in the rotation. Maybe it's Troy Brown Jr. I'm not so sure because, again, he's been all over the place as far as his consistency the last month after he was really shooting well. And we were thinking that, he oh, he's going to be a tough tough get and free agency. I'm not sure we're going to be able to retain him, yada, yada, yada. But then his game started to fall off. And that's what you're seeing from these guys up and down, up and down that are coming off the bench. Schroeder has been the only somewhat consistent one all season. Rui, you know, again, he remember he was a coaching DMP a month ago. So he is riding high. You got to make sure you're Darvin Ham, you're, you're, Riding that wave of good fortune with Rui Hashimura as it sees fit. So, yeah, uh, maybe Lonnie Walker, if he comes in because he's got a contract to play for, maybe you could give him a stint and maybe he'll produce for you. If that's the case, a lot of it's tied to money. So these guys that are on those pending free agencies, they're very incentivized, as Joe talked about last night. So we'll see. We'll um, see. As far as on TBJ, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, do we pick up his contract next year? Or we talk about Mo Bamba. I know that with I think some it's of the guys, Bamba. Bamba, if you're picking up, you're doing what Stone Hansen has said for a while that you're picking up, you want it just because that $10 million as a trade asset. That's all you want it for. Uh, because uh, it looks like Mo Bamba is not going to give you what you need to give you unless he reverts and, and finds some more energy or maybe just goes up to Wenyan Gabriel. And does like a mind meld or something like, you know, I want some of your energy or, uh, you know, something like that. Because it's right now, it's just, you know, he just does not have that mm, that you need from from a guy because he can hustle. He is somewhat athletic and he is seven foot one with a seven ten reach. You think you could put some of those things together, but he's just got to have the heart. Because he gets easily, I, I've seen the guy get easily muscled out of plays, and it's just amazing how that is. Yeah, especially with a man with that size and length, you would, you wouldn't expect him to exactly be a pushover out there. But yeah. sometimes it looks like he is, Gerald. It looks like it's just a kind of like a six foot two, six foot three man on stilts. Blue Magic, I don't think the right answer to that question is going to be played out until the end of the playoffs because if the Lake, the longer the Lakers are in the playoffs, that means the more money that Austin Reeves has been earning because of his good play, if that's the case. I mean, we will still probably see some bad games from Austin, but I think if you, the Lakers, the farther they get, that means the better he's been playing. So we could see 20, 25, $30 million go to him instead of D'Lo, which again will irritate me to no end because as we talked about it, Joe and I argued last night about uh, on, the, on the NBA observations, this is a guy you could have had doing this now for this next year and even the next season after that for a million, a million and a half bucks. You could have signed him on one of those rookie contracts, low end, low priced, and yet you chose not to as an organization. You, your gamble is now, oh, you're you know, really a lot higher after now, after THT, 
after what we've seen with Caruso, after what we've seen with Max Christie, and after what we've seen with Austin Rees, this organization at the very top, they do a great job of you know seeing the initial player. You know, they don't see the bigger picture with some of these players because you see how many former Lakers are all around the league as far as rotational players in this league and how well they could have played. Just think how well they could have played for the Lakers and some of these guys that are, that they let go easily. You know, we saw Ivica Zubats, as I said the other day, if he plays at an even level or outplays DeAndre Aiden, the Clippers will win that series. What happened in game one? He outplayed DeAndre Aiden. So there you go. And this is someone we let go for a chump change who's now in Boston as a backup center, Mike Muscala. So, yeah, yeah. I, I just the initial drafting by the scouting department is great. It's just the evaluation from there I still have issues with. And the fact is that this team could be even deeper and more cost friendly with a lot of rookie contracts right now of players that are really producing in this league irritates me to no end. I agree. I, I get it. It nars at the at the brain. At no, the I, I, well, putting up your blues comment there. That's true, Jerry. But with the contract security prevented ARs growth. No, with a team. And remember, I talked about it at the beginning of the season that the Lakers had uh, some of the worst depth from number three to number fifteen as anybody in the league. So anybody, a guy coming off the street, you, Blue Magic, me, I could have come off the street and got been given a chance if I played well enough and would have been given that opportunity. So AR had every opportunity to go ahead and succeed. When they got him off that two-way, they had a choice of what contract to sign him to once they had him off that two-way. They chose only a, a one plus one, and that was on them. That's on them, and, and that's their mistake. And now they're going to have to pay for it, literally going to have to pay for it. And it's going to cost us maybe a D-Lo. It's going to cost us maybe a TBJ or, or some Rui Hashimura. It's going, to have, it's going to cost us because it's going to put us in that new cap situation with the CBA and all that because you wanted to sign this guy for only two years. And the same thing goes with T. You would still have THT on the team for good or bad, but you would have him on, like us say, for another million and a half. You would have Alex Caruso. You could have signed him on one of those deals. Back then, when you when you got him off the two way, and you would be work, you would be probably going into now as far as the free agent season now. But you would have had him for cheap for the past couple of years. You know, all these players that the Lakers, you know, initially draft and see or get off of two way or you know find from other organizations, they're good at that. It's just what do they see in them once they get on the team and evaluating them going forward? And they're very reluctant to go ahead and and pull the trigger on some of these. These, these bargain deals that I see some of these other teams do. So Blue Magic, I think that he would have gotten every opportunity had he been making a million. Like, for instance, Troy Brown Jr. Troy Brown Jr. has had a ton of run this season. He's only making a million. You know, that's, well, I know that's more than I make, absolutely. But still, you get the idea. You get the idea. That's correct, Blue. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to bring every every iteration. Every, they're going to have to pick and choose. I think they choose Austin ahead of D'Lo. I think they choose Austin. I do too. I do too. I do too. Unless, unless you get, unless those two really love playing with each other enough to take uh, a home team discount. We know that doesn't happen. You could be paying, you could be paying up to 60 million million a year for both of them for that backcourt. Yeah. So think about it. Sometimes you have to make decisions in life. You said it right. Blue. Plus, Uh, Plus you're picking up Rui's contract at 10 mil. 
Or was it mm. is it 10 mil? It's 10 it's, mil. It's 10 okay. mil. And yeah. same thing with Mobamba. If you want to use him as a trade asset, mm -hmm. uh, oh, you can let him go. But then again, you lose that trade asset for 10 million right there. And then you're talking about uh, Malik Beasley would be the one to probably go as well because he's going to be what you have to pick up his at like 16, 16. Yes. Yeah. So Mo, Mo Bamba and Mike, Malik Beasley off your books is 26 mil. So got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Blue. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, you know, then we've got to go ahead again, do this process over, over, over each year where you have to try and find consistent help for LeBron and AD. And that gets harder and harder because the league is not exactly going to be stagnant themselves. They're also looking at the same pool of talent that you are, which is why, again, when you see someone who has an inkling of talent that's a two-way player or a second-round draft choice, it's imperative that you lock them up for four years. What's the worst going to happen? They don't pan out and you're, you know, you're trading them away for a million dollar contract or you're waiving them for a million dollars. I'd rather take that risk than as an organization than than having to potentially lose them for 10, 20 million dollars or resign them for 10, 20 million dollars. Yes, it, it, there, there's a lot of a lot of bouncing balls here and moving parts that uh, unfortunately it's not going to all link up into the, the same circus ring again. There's going to be a, a new version of this team. I would try and keep the core blue. So the core would be if you can keep Austin Reeves, you keep him. You might not even be able to bring back Dennis Schroeder. I would bring back Rui and Austin Reeves right now. If you can add around that, I would try. But I I don't even think you can bring Dennis back if you're if you're bringing Rui and AR back. Again, yeah, because now Dennis is now beloved once again in the league after he was persona non grata this time last year. So figure that mm -hmm. one out. Yeah, go, go figure. So with that, we'll leave this snack back. Hopefully it uh, gave everybody a, a, a little bit of a, a sugar rush this afternoon. I know it gave us a sugar rush. Yes, so absolutely. I'm, I'm happy. I'm going to go get something salty then. Hold on. There we go. And with that, this Laker snack pack is over. Hope everybody got what they needed. We'll see you tomorrow.